This is the Horse Radio Network. Three, two, one. This is episode 270 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Horsemanship, Bacon, and Brie. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equisketch and Sparkle and Boom. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. And a yummy show it is. <laughs> yes. I, I, we, when you have brie in the title, you know it's going to be a good show. When you have bacon and, and brie, brie in the in the title. Anytime you're, then you put you're... bacon and cheese together, it's good. I know. I look, I'm getting all like verklempt. I can't even talk. Like <laughs> bacon, brie, Debbie, Laux is coming on. We got everything. Riding Ninja. Yeah, we have a riding ninja on today. We have Debbie Laux about her new show here on the Horse Radio Network, and we have Kat from Eat Your Tart Out talking about food. <sighs> this may very well be the best Stable Scoop episode ever. <laughs> I need to go back and count how many episodes you've said that on. I know. Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> pretty much. Yes, pretty much. I we had Alan came on the morning show. Alan from the Western Radio Show. Alan Morehead. No, he's awesome. And he came on the morning show. We hadn't had him on a long time. And I said, let's come on and talk about your real job. Well, his real job is he's a rodeo announcer across the country. He goes to rodeos and he does announcing. And, you know, they treat you like royalty when you're the announcer at these events. So he gets to eat all this good food. Well, of course, conversation turned to food. And I asked him what his favorite was. Well, he had about 12. I mean, he kept naming all. He kept going, oh, I really like this at this place. Oh, I really like this at this place. One of the (laughs) listeners then wrote on our Facebook page, I think Alan's favorite food is is whatever is on his plate. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so it was, That would be you. That would be me, except for fish. I don't do fish, but uh, pretty much everything else. That's such do. a shame. You should work on that. I tried. I've tried. I get it in my mouth, and I just can't do it. I can't do anything seafood. I just If it comes out of the water, Jennifer and I don't eat it, and I've so tried you, lots. So that means oysters are out of the question. <laughs> anything comes out of the water. You know, the only thing I've been successfully able to eat that is out of the water, and it's going to be odd and unusual, is frog's legs. Because they, uh, they really do taste like chicken. I don't care. They just Glenn, taste like <laughs> I can eat those, but nothing else have I been able to eat. And I've tried. My family came from New England. They were lobster eaters, you know? And I've tried lobster many times. Jennifer has tried it, and we just can't eat it. Shrimp. Jennifer's not a seafood fan either, right? No, we were perfect yeah. that way. You know, it yeah. really makes us mad, though, because you go to restaurants, half the menu is seafood, and it all looks so good. It's... Oh, it is really good. I discovered recently, last weekend I went out to dinner and I had, well, I wasn't a big fan of um, oysters because they're kind of slimy. Slimy and and raw. Yeah. It's like eating a big booger. But um, (laughs) 
they're they're once you do it, like you force yourself to do it because people who love them love them. People who love seafood really love seafood. So I like you, I'm like, this stuff looks so good. I, I just gotta try it. And you you really can convince yourself. Now, it's not convince yourself to like something, but you can convince yourself to let go of, you know, bad attitudes about the food. So Is that before I, or after you throw up the first time? No, you don't throw up. Oh, it's okay. just, you, come on, you could be more grown up than that. <laughs> well, maybe you can't. But. I can't, no. So anyway, I've, I've been experimenting with oysters, and I found that I really, really like them so much that I the texture is now enjoyable to me. It does not taste gross or slimy or anything. It's really good. And um, I had them recently. I had oysters with this really lovely, delicious um, high-end tequila for dinner the other night. It was excellent. And if anybody wants to hear about it, you can send me a message at helena at horseradionetwork.com <laughs> because it was to die for. And I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> I was such a like sheltered person. I never, my, my culinary horizons were like limited to, you know, McDonald's and Kraft macaroni and cheese. Look Those at days you were getting over. all sophisticated now. I know. I'm like, I'm like a grown up. I don't even know you anymore. Almost. Well, <laughs> I know you don't. Oysters and tequila. I know. It's a pretty nice way to spend an evening, let me that tell you. It really doesn't want to make me throw up if they're talking about it. Ah! So let's go on to something else. Let's get Kat on from Eat Your Tart Out and let's talk about something that sounds absolutely yummy to me <laughs> bacon and cheese. Let's go, let's go get Kat. EatYourTartOut.com. Well, hi, Kat. Welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. How are you guys doing? We are doing peachy keen, and we have not eaten lunch yet, and it is now past noon. So we're having you on to just make our mouth water. So basically, you're going to say you can talk for like two minutes, and then we have to go because you guys have That's pretty much it, yes. Yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I'll make it quick. Uh, So today, what I picked is something that Helena, last time I was up in Massachusetts, actually got to try. And what we're going to talk about is the- Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. She invites you over, and you have to cook for her? I do it willingly because I think she does it from love. That's her oh, gift. Uh, I need to learn that trick. <laughs> invite people over and have them cook for me. That's pretty good. Yeah. See, your mistake is you just haven't invited me to come visit you yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> boom. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So we're going to be talking about the Brie LT. And oh. see. <laughs> <laughs> So it's not your typical bacon, lettuce, tomato. This is using brie plus bacon plus lovely arugula. And then basically it's on an open face sandwich. It's awesome. It's so good. And it's super, super, super easy. Um, so for the most part, like the only thing that I found that really makes this, and I when I did post this on Facebook, I had a bunch of people who responded back and were like, well, but we can't get tomato jam. Well, Tomato jam is what I use in lieu of just fresh tomatoes because we're kind of we're out of that season now where you can't really get fresh tomatoes. But if you don't have fresh tomatoes to make the tomato jam, you can actually use any kind of preserves. Um, I've had a few people actually tried orange marmalade and said it was awesome. Um, so that's what basically you're using your bread and it can be gluten free. It can be any kind of bread that works within your dietary restraints. So I know, Glenn, that'll be something for you. You can use your gluten free breads that you eat. I have good gluten free bread now. I make it myself and it really cool. works. All right. Mm. So all you're doing is you're toasting it. 
you're slathering on some preserves. I prefer my tomato jam, which I gave the recipe in my blog, but you can use orange marmalade or if you like some kind of like savory preserves that go really well with like bacon, use them. Um, some really good brie. That's the other key component since this is so simple. You want a really good like milky brie, one that's going to be nice and soft. You use it at room temperature just to like spread it on. Um, bacon some arugula, and then if you want some red onion, and that's it. Like, very simple, but, oh, it's so good. <laughs> it, 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 the layers of flavor, I think that's what makes it really a, a stunning piece of food artwork to put in your <laughs> mouth. It's, it is because they're, each of the flavors is so distinct. Yeah. And then, but proportion, that's kind of a – you kind of have to understand proportion, don't you? Because you yeah. could overdo it. Oh, Which absolutely. means about four pounds of brie and about four pounds of bacon and uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of the tomato stuff. A well, little bit of the tomato. It depends stuff. all on how you want to eat it, but I would suggest you know. Be, this start is the perfect little... sandwich. It's got bacon and cheese. Yeah, sure. yeah, and arugula. It's got good stuff. I happen to be a huge arugula fan, so it's got yeah. good stuff in it. You know, the cheese is good for your your bones and your calcium. You know, it's got all that. The bacon is good for. Well, everything because it makes yes, really smart, right. and um, the bread gives you energy, and the arugula does all that other good stuff that green leafy vegetables does for your body. Yeah. yeah. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you guys a question: What the heck happened to the price of bacon? Oh, yeah, it it's it, a it like weird. doubled. We're paying for the bacon that we were getting. We try and get the one that's low and that doesn't have any nitrates and any of the other stuff. It's yeah. you know, it's a real thing. And I was paying $4 a pound, and now this to 7 down here. Yeah, like I usually, I found like the organic, like nitrate and all that happy bacon, which tastes a thousand times better, which is what I used when I made it for Helena. Like you taste a huge difference. But that was like almost $9 for one package. Like it's ridiculous. And so like I have to wait until I'm like, desperate for this or for other things in order to make it. So I honestly, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if it's just because of fuel prices, finally compacted feeding, and then the end products got more expensive or what's going on. But yeah, I've definitely noticed that too. It's gotten very expensive. And it's not just the, uh, you know, the, the super, the super bacons, the, the natural bacons. It's just all bacon <laughs> through the roof. Right. Ah, unbelievable. This sandwich looks really good. I'm sitting here looking at the pictures of it at your, on your blog at Eat Your Tart Out, and that's spelled T-A-R-T-E, uh, and it's making me really hungry. Could you? I, I'll invite you over if you want to come over and make me lunch. See, now it's like I've pressured you into it, so it doesn't feel real. So oh. <laughs> until it feels real, and then maybe I'll accept Oh my God, I'm looking at it and it's Such like... Such a diva. <laughs> I, I, and the memory I have... Is it possible that you, you your brain has like a food memory? Like I'm, sure I'm literally looking at this and my tongue is getting thicker and it's starting to drip a little bit and like... But I've oh. noticed that too. Like it definitely like food and sm certain smells, good ones, um, will bring you back to a memory that you've had or a, like friends that you were with and things like that. So I, I, I definitely understand that. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> looking at it like an ex-lover <laughs> I miss you <laughs> it's probably better than most of them yeah uh, <laughs> sorry yeah without the onion <laughs> I'm not an onion girl yeah I, I wouldn't put the onion on the sandwich either I'm not a red onion person I like cooked onions 
Well, yeah, if you are an people, onion person, then the red onion would be awesome. But right. I, I'm just not an onion person. Yeah. yeah. And I, some people like when I made it with you, Helena, she just had it without. I like it and I like red onion a lot. I like raw onion, period. But you, you just opt out of it. You don't have to have it. But it's just something I like the little zing that you would get from it. But you definitely don't need to have it to make the sandwich by any means. Speaking of onion, this reminds me of a story. I, I cooked for four years at a restaurant when I was in high school and right after high school. And I worked the night shift in the summertime. So we worked 11 at night to 7 in the morning. And I was the short order, one of the short, four short order cooks that worked all night very popular place in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And we had a truck driver that came in and sat at the bar every night and he got the same thing every night for the entire four years I worked there. And he came in every single weeknight and he got two hamburgers with onion. And all we were supposed to do, you cook the hamburgers, you put it on the bread, you cut, you took an onion, took off both ends, cut the onion in half and you put it on top of the burger. And that was his sandwich. Every single night for the four years I worked there was two of those hamburger and onion sandwiches. I mean, I like my onion, but that, <laughs> that's a little much. <laughs> we assumed, we always wondered if he had a wife and uh, whether she slept with him or not. Because, ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, definitely I, yeah. an aftermath from that. And so. he was one of those guys that was super skinny. You know, one of those guys that probably ate 12 burgers a day and was still super, super skinny. Yeah. Yeah. He probably well, had some I, kind of worm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did look up your price of bacon and other pork products. Sorry, and it's because there was a virus that hit. And so a lot of um, stuff got contaminated. And so pork didn't get to market. I uh, bet you when the virus is over, we don't see the prices go down. Yeah. Probably. I would right. really like to find um, like a, like a, a, like a free range pork distributor person, something like that. Like I just, I, I really hate the whole concept of factory farming. Oh yeah. And if you're, if we're going to pay really high prices for bacon, well then I'd, I'd rather have like homemade bacon, you know, is there, are, are there any places that carry that kind of stuff? Well, there's a few places and I can probably source them out. It just depends where you live. Um, what I found for us, especially here in Missouri is, is that we, you know, we've got friends here and like we bought a uh, half a cow this year. We partnered up with, you know, another family and they bought the other half. So we were, yeah. but for the entire, for everything, um, that was, you know, you pay for the animal and then essentially then you have to have it butchered. But for all that, and plus a whole freezer full, we were able to get $2 a pound on everything. That's including prime cuts, like down. That's awesome. And so like, if you can partner with people, you're more likely to be able to, even if you say, I'll do a quarter, you do a quarter, even with, um, pigs, you can do the same thing. And it's amazing the amount you can get and the prices you can get. Um, but it all just depends on where you live in, because there's some places that you have to source out the whole animal. Or you can just stop in and the prices are going to be higher, but you can do like just a package of bacon here and there and things like that. But it's definitely worthwhile to do it because then you know where the animals are coming from. You know that they're being treated humanely. It's just a win-win. Yeah, we used to do We used to raise our own cows. And uh, Jennifer always was worried about that because I was new into all of this then and the anim- whole horse animal thing. She said, right. I know you're going you're gonna to look at these cows and you're not going to be able to butcher them when the time comes. And uh, they got out 
and crashed our fences so much, and we had to chase him around for so often that I, I almost shot him in the field. <laughs> um, I, I, the one day I literally was going to get the gun if we didn't get those cows back in. I would have had no problem shooting him myself because I was so mad at those cows. And she said, well, at least I don't have to worry about that when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you know what it's like to have kids. Yeah. <laughs> Not much different. <laughs> Just keep the guns away from Helena. <laughs> Well, Kat, thank you so much. It's always a blast to have you on. We really appreciate you spending time with us. It's Eat Your Tart Out. That's T-A-R-T-E dot com. And also, more importantly, head on over to Facebook and search for Eat Your Tart Out and follow her over there. I love your posts. They do make me hungry every time. But uh, I do love everything you post, and I love your personality. So I think it really comes through. We just love you. Oh, thanks, guys. Well, until next time. And and uh, I'm not just saying this because you called me on the carpet. You are welcome to, uh, to stop by any time. I see you backpedaling now, and I appreciate that. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win today. <laughs> Bye, Cat. Bye, Cat. Thanks. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork, and unfortunately many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships, and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. It's always fun having Kat on. I always enjoy that because I always enjoy talking about food. I really do. I like to eat. Next up, we have a new show coming on to the Horse Radio Network. And as tradition, we like to introduce new shows here on Stable Scoop. And I have actually been working on this woman since I've met her about four or five years ago uh, to do her own show because she's absolutely brilliant. I, uh, she knows what she's talking about. She's very articulate. She, she makes me look like I didn't go through first grade. Um, <laughs> and she, you know, she, she has... She is so good, yet not too many people know about her. They know about her famous father, and her famous father is Monty Roberts. Debbie Laux is who I'm talking about, and she is the daughter of Monty Roberts. And she, I met her years ago when she came to Lexington, Kentucky. We actually went and saw a Templeton Thompson concert together for the, uh, and got to see that. Had a great time, sat with her at dinner, and just had, had a blast uh, and have been friends ever since. She's been on our shows a number of times, and she knows what she is talking about when it comes to natural horsemanship and good horsemanship. And that is what her show is. It's called Horsemanship Radio. And she is going to do a show. Well, she's going to tell you about exactly what she's going to do in her show. But I, I want to introduce you to a good friend of ours, Debbie Laux. Well, hi, Debbie, and welcome back to Stable Scoop. 
Hi. Well, thank you for having me back, Helena, and both Glenn and Helena. Now, we uh, want to congratulate you on your new show here on the Horse Radio Network. Well, thank you. Great. Uh, the letters are coming in, Glenn. I, I'm pushing some on to you to share, but uh, there's a lot of people out there that apparently want to hear more about horsemanship. Yes, yes. I've, I've gotten a couple of them. I've seen some posts on Facebook. And uh, uh, it, now we can start to build up Debbie's self-confidence a little. She wasn't too confident about being a host there, Helena. But she's Who terrific. would be? Who would be? Oh, <laughs> Helena from day one said, I can do this. Eh, no problem. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Oh, you rock. I said, you rock. You're my hero. It doesn't matter if I mess it up because <laughs> no one's listening. That's right. Only now I can't use that logic so much anymore. But you know what? You actually have some really good content to share. I mean, you have years and years and years and years of horsemanship experience in your family with, you know, from your own firsthand experience. So you've got a lot of information to share with your listeners. We've got some great guests coming up and they all have lifetimes of education. And the interesting thing about horse people anyway, is that a lot of, uh, a lot of these masters that we're going to be talking to started when they were uh, not even double digit, right? So if they're uh, well into their mature years, we've got literally lifetimes and lifetimes to draw on. Well, tell us a little bit about what Horsemanship Radio is going to be. What will the show consist mm-hmm. of? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Glenn. You're the one who actually um, called us up and said, you know, there is a need. There's a hole in our lineup that says, uh, you know, we've got specific disciplines, we've got specific reasons for being on the air, uh, daily tips, and the different things that you've put together over the years. But what I'm really impressed about is that um, you recognize the need for the equine language to be addressed, the behavioral issues, that it doesn't matter if you're a 17-hand warm blood or if you're a little uh, pony out in the... the uh, steps of Mongolia. I, you know, it doesn't matter. They all speak the same language. They have a little different dialect, but the, the thing that people are recognizing now over the last few decades is that we all share a common need, and that is to build a better relationship with our animals and also to understand, or maybe they need to understand us better. Um, we have a fun game called the yes-no game, and one of these one of these episodes, I'm going to talk about that. Um, it puts your brain in the horse's brain when we're trying to teach them something, or uh, you know, I guess we don't really teach anything. We try to communicate something. And then when they understand it and the light bulb goes off, we have a lot of fun. The light bulb goes off. Now, do you, as you're you're going through your guests and the content for these shows, um, is there going to be an educational component? Like, what, what can people expect other than, um, you know, conversations with guests? What, what types of variety will you have? Uh, yeah, good. We don't have enough up there to really get a feel for it, but people should go to horsemanshipradio.com and listen to the first couple of episodes and, and tell us if they like it and tell us if the format is going to work for them. But basically, we're going to have a, a content-rich interview with some uh, somebody who has just excelled in horsemanship, usually throughout their life. We have coming up. We have Dr. Robert Miller, who's just the father of full imprinting, and oh, I and love him. Had, oh, yeah, he's just a sweet, sweet man who has eight decades of experience in the horsemanship field, 
and uh, and he's really evolved with us and, and says a lot of nice things about where the, the direction of horsemanship is going, which I'm excited about. Philip Rawls, um, very young guy, um, but excelling. Uh, he has decades under his belt already, and he's about 30 years old, but he... He excels in the reigning and competition field. We've got Joe Camp, uh, sold horse, a Benji producer. Everybody remember the old Benji movies? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we were on the phone the other day. I'm sorry to say that Benji is now blind and deaf, but but really happy and <laughs> pretty healthy. So, <laughs> But, you know, anybody who remembers those Benji movies, they know that he is just a just an animal lover down to the core. And then we, we turned him on to horses. His wife bought him a couple of horses after reading an article, and and uh, he's been on that path and, and making that journey with us. And I think the listeners will really relate to his journey. Um, and then, of course, we have Monty Roberts, who was on our first episode, and we'll have him back a lot to pull on his experiences. He just left Finland yesterday and is back on tour in the U.K., and then we'll head to Germany and then Brazil. But we'll catch up with him after that. And uh, and she will t- to further answer the question there. Yes, there will be an educational component. Uh, Debbie's going to h- handle letters and uh, some some inquiries on training and and training methods. Uh, the first episode or episode number two, uh, she handled an email from. I forget what Croatia. 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 Right. <laughs> yeah, Croatia. I couldn't remember what country. Uh, on yeah. uh, round pens. So we talked a lot about That's round right. pens. So yes, there will be a training <laughs> component to it as well. Because Debbie knows a lot of stuff. And I did wow. have an email from a listener that I have not forwarded on to you. Uh, okay. Part of the email was they wanted to know if you ride, and they li- had listened to the episode, really oh. liked it, and said, "But does Debbie ride?" And I said, "Oh, you don't have a clue. She rides. <laughs> she goes to the mountains and spends a week in a in a in a sleeping bag uh, yeah. in, the, in the Rockies." I said, she, "She, yes, she rides much more than." On some adventures uh, that we would never go on, Helena. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. They don't have showers. <laughs> yeah, they don't have showers. That, that's the part that worries you the most. Yes, that lack right. of toilet, toilets. No, I, it's not the showers part. It's the you know whatever you, whatever makeshift shower you do have. It's the bears coming up and and joining. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we have. <laughs> We, we we have horses around us that give us lots of alerts and and uh, you know can if if we're sleepy in the saddle they take us home it's it's great I do ride and um, I I think that um, that is semi important um, I think you know it's because I get to ride all different kinds of horses I, I was on quarter horses this week I was on a draft horse last week I was on a Peruvian pastos uh, and, and so um, I think that the important thing is that we. My experiences are um, that I, I have a lot of contacts in a lot of different parts of the world and a lot of different disciplines. And uh, I think more and more we're, we're bringing horses together and bringing horse people together to understand them better. And um, the thought leaders in horsemanship today think more on what horses can do, the possibility thinking, uh, the yes, yes, yeses instead of the no, no, no's. And um, and helping build a relationship with your horse is more about the yes yes yeses. Um, does that make sense? I mean, the, the a lot of tips you talked, Helena. You talked about education. I, I find that a lot of times people say, "Well, this is what you shouldn't do. You shouldn't feed from the hand. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that." And uh, you know, kind of leaves some of us amateurs gear in the headlights. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah, what should we do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
keeping so track of what I you should not do is much harder than keeping track of what you should do or can do. do. Yeah, not even the shoulds. Exactly. Like, I almost want to take the shoulds out because it puts this layer of tension in what you have to do. You know, yeah, it's, it's almost really, like what you can yeah, do. That's right. Because that's where we start to get, um, well, we get, I guess, anxiety about whether we're doing everything right. And that's kind of where we went wrong, you know, a hundred years ago. We started depending on people to tell us what our horse is trying to tell us. And once we kind of peel that layer back and just start to listen to our horse with his gestures and his happiness, you know, is he a happy looking horse? Is he excited to see us when we come into the barn? Those are all the things that I want to address with these masters. What do they do to keep their horses happy? Because there's really no way that a horse excels at the top, top level without being somewhat happy. We know that they can do it because for 100 years, competition's been dominated by people who still use a lot of forceful methods. But I think when we look at the Stefan Peters, who we'll have on the program as well, and, uh, and the Charlotte Dolls, these people who are in an industry known to be perhaps kind of constricted in their discipline, but when they see how happy the horses are, they think, I want to know what he knows about that. Well, we're looking forward to it, Debbie, we're, and we're very happy to have you as part of the network. It's horsemanshipradio.com. You can also find it at the Horse Radio Network. It's not on the app yet, but it will be. The request has been put in, and it's uh, just waiting for the approvals from the app stores. So in, in the next four or five days, it should show up there. But you can just go to the website or find it on iTunes. It's also on iTunes and uh, all the usual spots to find our shows. Horsemanship Radio is what it's called, hosted by Debbie and uh, we're very excited to have you on board and thanks thanks a bunch for doing this thank you so much for having me look forward to lots of listeners writing in now it's time for tack and habit Sparkle & Boom is a new media marketing company. Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing World Wide Web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com. Next up is our Tack and Habits segment where we welcome Maria Welker, and she's the brains behind Riding Ninja Apparel. It, Riding Ninja is a really cute line of, well, it's fun and functional equestrian-themed apparel for women and girls. Uh, it's primarily like T-shirts and sweatshirts and some cute jewelry, and um, it's just got and, and accessories. It's really, it's super cute, and um, it's based on an adorable story about Maria's own horse, who she refers to as the ninja. Uh, but this, this apparel is really starting to take off because it's, it's a fun and enthusiastic, positive message on all of the clothing. And it's very well made. There are a lot of inspired slogans and unique designs. And it's just, just sassy enough. 
I like it. A lot, of, a lot of the designs include her ninja, little cartoon ninja character, who is very cute. Yeah, jump like a ninja, ride like a ninja. My favorite one is dismount like a ninja. ninja. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. <laughs> so we're going to welcome Maria to the Stable Scoop Show. We have with us today uh, Maria Welker, and she is the brains behind the absolute cutest new line of teas called Riding Ninja. Welcome, Maria. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's really good to be here. So we met you at the American Equestrian Trade Association show in Pennsylvania in August, and you had the most adorable line of teas and casual apparel that features this adorable character, and it's the Riding Ninja. Tell us a little bit about the Riding Ninja. Where did it come from, and what does it represent? The Riding Ninja? Um, well, I think originally it was just something that we used to say. I, I, start, I, I had a draft horse that I started riding um, coming off of a really hot warm bud that was just kind of flaying me around like a rag doll. And uh, I literally thought that I would never ride again. So when I got this draft horse, which was just kind of, just because I really wanted to be on a horse again, but I had no guts left at all to even sit on one. It was just, it was really funny because I, I would just clutch the saddle and, in horror and the thing would just canter because my, my feet and my legs are just so crazy and tight that it just wouldn't know what to do with me. So it took a while to get into like a, a normal riding mode. And then as we did, and I kind of, rec- and she recovered me really towards just riding and the love of it and everything, I realized that she had some like secret athletic abilities because we would just be able to even just out on a hack, just jump things and she's a shire, jump things kind of effortlessly and get over really scary things and really manage to do things that I, that a much lighter breed would probably, you know, be better suited for. So, um, yeah, so then I started, we started to say that she was a secret ninja, you know, and then it disguised the draft horse. And then after that, I kind of started training her for, for jumping and fences. And she was so great that the phrase of the day became that she jumped like a ninja, that we rode like ninjas. And after that, you know, it just became <laughs> it just became something that everybody was saying at the barn. It's like, how was your ride or how was your lesson? Like a ninja, like a ninja. And, you know, so it just. I made a T-shirt, and the T-shirt moved really well, and some other people wanted it, and suddenly we had Riding Ninja apparel. Right. You know, I, were, you, were you surprised at um, your mare's flexibility? I mean, being a shire and everything, we don't expect them to be capable of, um, of the kind of jumping that I know. You showed me some pictures on your phone when we were at the trade show, and she was jumping some big stuff. Uh, well, yeah. big for, big, uh, you know, for my eyes, you know, I think a little log is big. But uh, were you surprised at how flexible she was and how capable she was? So surprised. It's, it's unbelievable. That's the whole point of, like, her stealth. Like, her, she just passes right under the radar. You never think that she, a horse that big would be able to do so well. I think that I don't necessarily, I'm not, like, a proponent of draft horses jumping. Obviously, they're really big and not built for it, and it's bad for their joints. But she is de- de- deceptively well, like she's well, really well conformed and very deceptively light, you know, on her, on her feet despite her size, and she enjoys it too. I mean, I've I've, con- I've um, talked to a bunch of vets and a bunch of uh, people who are considered authorities on the subject, and with her, you know, it's, it's safe to jump her three feet or so around. She'll probably, you know, she's I mean, as safe as it is for any horse, and not necessarily none of them are necessarily built for, for the sport, but. No, I hope that's not a controversial thing to say. We can cut that. 
Uh, but um, no, no. You know what? You you. It's it's not a controversial thing because it obviously we hear the concern in your voice. You're not going to overjump this mare. You're not going to. Some horses are no. hard on their bodies, you know. And and obviously yeah, the draft horse exactly. is doing certain uh, um, athletic. Exactly. I mean, either in in some kind of everybody has to be in, every horse has to be in an athletic conditioning program. But you know, For it, sure. I, yeah. Go on. That was the thing that when you and I were talking about her, that mm-hmm. um, you had this concern or this consideration for what she could do and, and for what she enjoys. And I think that really came through right. the conversation. And then that's what, you know, we could have been sitting there talking all day about her, but, um, oh, I'm really glad because sometimes people contact me like on Facebook or I post pictures on our, on our Facebook for writing men's apparel too. And, um, people will contact me and they'll say, Oh my gosh, you know, your draft horse can jump. I really want to drop my draft horse. And all I, when while my draft horse can jump, I'm, so meticulous about making sure that she's not being that her that she's not being pushed to, to any kind of a limit. And but most draft horses really w- shouldn't be and wouldn't be able to safely perform like she does. It just so happens that she had like the confirmation and the angles to kind of handle that big body over a fence. And and I train her really meticulously, like with a heart rate monitor and. I mean, everything, including diet. So I don't necessarily, like, recommend it for draft horses. I just think it's definitely possible, depending on how the horse is. And when people say that to me, that they really want to jump the draft horse, I always want to firstly caution them and not necessarily say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you should definitely try it. And whoever's telling you that it's not really a good idea is wrong. Because it's probably, most likely, in most cases, not the greatest idea. You know, and in some cases it can be great. Well, Maria, you know very quickly with a draft horse because we owned uh, last Percheron we had was about 18 two hands and over, you know, over a ton. And he did great in dressage, (laughs) but jumping, you pretty much had to buy new jumps when you were done with the course (laughs) because he was going to take them all out. I mean, you do know very quickly whether your draft horse has the ability to jump or not because uh, your, your jumps will show the results. Um, yeah, they'll yeah. barrel through them. Yeah, like they're twigs. <laughs> like they're twigs. I've seen it. Yeah, they don't care. And and that little jump no. in its way is not any problem at all. They can... I, I've seen it. I've, I've actually seen it firsthand. It's pretty funny. They just barrel through them yep. like, like cannonballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so they're like, what? <laughs> what? Fence? I don't see a fence. Dun, 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 oh, and they run so how did you get yeah. from now you didn't you didn't start um obviously you, you said you were you were riding this this very hot warm blood how where did you start your riding career and and um you're not from the United States where were you before here and and how did you get here Well I don't I definitely do not I would not consider what I do a riding career for sure and I would not <laughs> call it that I uh, it's like a it's like a riding I mean I, I I dabble obviously and I love it so much but I moved here to play tennis professionally, and then as an adult, um, I moved to Arizona when I got married and found myself very disconnected from my world and everything that I did back in L.A. I'm from L.A. originally. Um, and my, you know, I said to my husband that I wanted horse lessons a bunch of years back, and my husband, being who he is, said, let's get you a horse, you know, which is, of course, in retrospect, like the worst idea that can that anybody can have but of course I thought well I'm going to learn to ride and I'm going to teach this horse to ride and then I went and I bought one on my own with no trainer it was really like crazy the whole thing was crazy and um, then I just got baptized by fire it's like it was kind of ride or be on the ground 
not riding and crying. <laughs> well, tennis <laughs> and riding is that's, that's yeah. a big difference between you know hitting a little ball and driving uh, riding a big you know, shire. <laughs> it's not. It's actually not. And this is where the ninja things come in because I I kind of feel like anything can be a ninja. Like it's there's a there's I mean there's any sport it's like embodies like like a purposefulness and precision and like there's you know issues of speed and balance and and a certain fearlessness. You got to really go after whatever it is that whatever your goal is in in this activity. I mean unless you're somebody who just wants to just kind of I don't what's the term just doesn't really care about the results you know which is fine. There are a lot of people who just want to, you know, do whatever. But I really, I think when you come from a competitive sport, it's almost easier to pick up any other sport as an adult that is very demanding because you already have the discipline and you're used to the fact that it takes a lot of work to get any small thing right. And then it takes like a lot of perfecting it to get it even righter. So to me, like I'm, I find that it's, so therapeutic that I can just be working on something for however long we need to be working on because there's just an endless amount of work in riding, I feel like, or or just in finding that communication with your horse. I don't know. It's It was like a very natural evolution for me. I quit playing. I don't like the competitive element of it for tennis. And the most natural evolution to just channel myself towards, having been used to that kind of work, was to ride because then you're just competing with yourself, and that's it. You were originally from Russia, though, right? Yeah. What part? Mm-hmm. What part? Moscow. Mos- Moscow. Moscow. Okay. And do you still have family there? Yeah, um, very limited, like an uncle and a, and just just an uncle, basically. Okay, so so you don't get back there a lot or or travel back. I I never get back there, and I really have no interest, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Not, not to be, well, I'm not glad you like it here. I mean, you're living here, so I'm glad you like it here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, it is a tad better, you know, with human rights and everything. So. <laughs> it's just a just tad. A tad <laughs> well, yeah. let's talk about Riding Ninja Apparel. Tell us about the line and, and uh, what, what people can find when they check it out. Riding Ninja Apparel. Um, it's, I don't, you know, hmm. It kind of started off obviously as a silly idea and has taken on a much bigger life of its own than I ever expected. Um, we are entirely at this point fan grown and Facebook grown because like there has been, it just kind of took off honestly. And I haven't had a moment to really consider it since that point. And then you guys met us at Ada. That was only six months into doing what we're doing because we had, moved to having like 17 varieties of things and our online store was doing really good but our sales up to that point came strictly from online and the online community the social media community that's where everything came from we haven't paid for any advertising so that feels really good i feel like it's very like the writer grown and we have all kinds i mean i don't people ask is it a young is it for young teenagers because it's a cartoon character you know and a lot of it is really funny and i just I kind of figured out that the answer is it's for the young and the young at heart because it's definitely, we have like a full range from from two-year-olds to 92-year-olds that <laughs> shop and wear, and wear RNA. And it makes me really, really proud and happy because I'm, I'm, I'm communicating with customers all day, every day. But there's just, there's literally all kinds. I can't put my finger on it. It's not, you know, it's not anybody in particular and anybody who can kind of have, I mean, a lot of, I think, to ride a horse, you have to have a sense of humor. I mean, that's just kind of, I feel like that's kind of key. 
And I think that the thing about the line that, for me, was that I, I feel like it has a sense of humor and a perspective that a lot of the, that not a lot of horse apparel or equestrian apparel has because it's so formal and kind of, um, a lot of it is formal and very traditional. There's some really traditional values to it. There's lots of strict colors and polos and very, I don't know. And then, of course, there's a bunch of fun stuff, too. But I, but not necessarily with that kind of an, I feel like L.A. aesthetic, where I'm from, is infused with, like, an Asian aesthetic, too, and the cartoons and the sense of humor is more edgy. So I really, that's kind of the direction that it's going in. And it's still evolving. I, I don't really know where it's going. We had to kind of step away a little bit from the actual ninja character and go more for just the humor. But to, I think that the thing that really sets it apart is that the garments are really, like, nice quality. We pick our fabrics and our cuts. They're very feminine. And um, we use a lot of tri-blends and very, very soft fabrics. We, we're being criticized right now a little bit, and I'll say for running a little small. So we're trying to... Um, to fix that. And that's what I mean about the evolution is because whatever the fans want is what we give. So it's like right now we're getting a lot of responses where people say that, it, you know, they can't quite find the size they need. Things are smallish. And so we're trying to work, the, you know, we're trying to fix that right now by bringing in large sizes as fast as we can. But other than that, it's just kind of finding its way around. It's, it's all word of mouth. We're starting to see ourselves in the stores, Broken Horn Saddlery, which is the largest saddlery in the West just picked us up and, you know, Greenway Saddlery in Arizona carries the line amongst a number of others across the U.S. and hopefully it'll just keep growing that way. But nobody tells us what to do except our fans. That's a great, that's a great business philosophy. You know, that's what's going to drive your market is your customers, you know, and you have such a, it's, it's what your customers want and then match that with your bright and lively approach to the designs and the colors. I mean, you have, it sounds like you have really great respect for um, equestrianism as a whole. And then I think when you have that level of respect, um, and obviously you have a commitment to hard work, uh, you know, your, your life history up until this point has proven that. Um, So you can incorporate like humor and brightness and fun and a little bit of silliness. And I think your customers are starting to and your fans really understand that and appreciate it. So when you're walking around with a riding ninja t-shirt or sweatshirt on, it's, it's, it is, it's a form of expression. It makes you feel good. For sure. I mean, I personally, I think that originally it actually came from the fact that I really like to represent, like I'm the kind of person that whatever I'm doing, I do like to wear clothes that represent it casually. I mean, it's obviously a sportswear line. We're not trying to be show wear or anything. And, um, and I, for me, it was really important there was a good crossover that I could, like, wear it to lunch and then wear it on a horse. I like to dress for fun when I school, too. And I don't, you know, I mean, because it's a fun thing for me. And I think a lot of people who ride the horse, their horses have a really, really intense feeling about it. Like, we have a T-shirt called Horseaholic. And that one is completely selling out because people just love the idea of that they're horseaholics. Like, they're obsessed with their horses, and it really helps them. Let I me, feel like it gives them voice. Yeah. And, and I like that one, too, because it's a, it's a, uh, it's a actual, looks like a wine bottle with horses in it, and the horses are popping out the top. Yeah. Well, you know what I like about your line? And we know you now a little bit from, from hanging out with you at Ada and everything. But uh, you have a tremendous sense of humor. You had us cracking up before we started recording today. And the, sense of, the sense of humor comes out in your line. And it don't ever lose that 
in your line because it is truly what makes you very special and very unique. Thank you so much. I, I love hearing that. I really appreciate it because we do get some, some like the retail community definitely pushes for more conventional stuff and we're always kind of struggling with finding that balance. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm struggling with that, but I don't think that I can let go of that. I think you might also find that my colors are a little like, I don't want to say juvenile, you know, but I we definitely don't shy away from like the neons and the. No, they're fun. The I mean, they're fun. When I look at and all that, yeah, yeah, they're just fun. I mean, when I look at uh, when I look at uh, your lineup here, I'm looking at the colors and going, "These are fun." And you know, I think uh, Lena feels the same way. It's not, you know, I don't look at them and go, "They're silly, childish." Yeah, that's and that's the goal. I mean, we really want to find that happy medium where it really does represent just about anybody who has a fun time riding so that any you know, so that nobody really feels like, Oh, this is too young or this is not young enough, this is for this kind of person, this is for this kind of person. It's really meant to be for every person. And I really I really want it to evolve in that direction and not lose that. So I I definitely hope that Thank you so much for saying that, because I definitely hope that it can stay kind of fun and bright and happy and funny. It's one of those, I hope that it's one of those t-shirts that if somebody wears it and their horse friends see it, they're like, oh my God, that's so funny. Like, that's the goal, you know? <laughs> Leave it yeah. there. Make sure it stays that way. Well, where can, uh, Helena, we want to give out the website so we, people can find it? Well, I know it's, you're on Facebook, right, Maria? Riding Ninja. We are, yeah. Yeah, we are then- going 50 50- almost 5,400 fans and counting and they're all their own. They all find this on their own. Excellent. So we're we're actually ones... really, really proud of our social, of our, of our um, Facebook. That's like our point of pride at this point. And <laughs> where else, where else can people find you online? Writingninja.com. It has all of our information and the stores that we're, you know, our stockists and which is the stores that carry the line and, and uh, it has a store and everything. So yeah, writingninja.com, and you can, they can always write in from the website, and somebody always responds right away with any questions. Well, that's it for this week, Helena. Don't forget that you can listen to all of our shows on our app. Go to the App Store at iOS or Android and just search for Horse Radio Network. It has all of our shows on it, including Helena's new show. Let's not forget to put a plug in for there, Chasing a Fox. Chasing a Fox in a little black dress. Check us out. Chasingafox.com is where you can find all the information about that. If, you, if you're into... If you're into fox hunting at all, you want to head on over there. Or if you're just like listening to Helena. I thought you were going to say, if you're into walking around with clothes on. (laughs) Well, or that. I mean, either one. Um, You can head on over there. So, uh, and and I like the new show. You're doing a good job. Thank you very much. Getting there. We're getting there. And of course, you can find all of our show notes and everything at StableScoop.com. And you should know all of this by 270 episodes anyway. And all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. We now have 11 active shows, so... Wow! Last I checked, we had eight. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, we, we have eleven. Three in the last uh, in the last three months. Well, wait. We have well, chasing a fox. We have horsemanship radio, and what was the third one? Blaze Kids Radio. Blaze Kids Radio. Yeah. I know. I follow Jess on Facebook. I love her. I know. Post. Is she cute? <laughs> yeah, she's super. <laughs> she's cute. the twelve-year-old host of Blaze Kids Radio, and she's cute. She's a she's little awesome. mini. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah. So we're growing, man. We're growing. Well, that's it for this week, Helena. Let's get out of here. That is plenty. We will be back next week with more. Until then, happy scooping. Time for some bacon and cheese. Yeah! And oysters. Oh, God. (laughs) It's a way to ruin lunch.